Welcome to Room for Growth. A Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Room for Growth. It is an important week in the world of marketing. We are just days away from the Super Bowl, which is, of course, everybody's favorite advertising event. I cannot wait to watch commercials. It is also the week of Valentine's Day, which is such an interesting anomaly in the world of marketing. Love it, hate it, whoever you are. Everybody knows when Valentine's Day is coming, you have either responsibilities to get a gift, to share some love, or you have to just, you know, double down on your Krankenstein and decide you are not doing anything. But either way, in the world of marketing, two super fun events to have back to back. So I'm excited. I'm anticipating some trends this year, particularly among Super Bowl ads. Um, I suspect that very similar to last year, we will see a lot of sort of social justice as a trend in some of the advertisements that are going out. We will see more present messaging around social issues. I also suspect that we're just going to have a little bit of a resurgence of sort of like pop culture nostalgia where we play back into television shows that are a little bit older or celebrities who we haven't seen in a while. Nostalgia has been pretty big this year, particularly as people just are in normal life and experiencing a heavy bustle in day-to-day, just you know, thinking back to COVID days or before. So I suspect we will see some of that. And then anytime there are Philly fans involved in sports, I think we all just get excited. Philadelphia fans have to be the best sports fans. I'm just excited to see coverage from Philadelphia of Super Bowl and the game. For anyone who's really just showing up to watch a Rihanna concert, I'm with you. I'm for you. Can't wait to join and see what kind of guests she has. I'm going to put money down. I think it's going to be Drake. I don't know who could be better to join Rihanna at the Super Bowl than Drake, but that's my hot take. I'll put some cash on it. But today, we are going to really lean into the Valentine's Day marketing trend. We have the director of Urban Stems with us, and she's going to talk about what it's like to plan for her Super Bowl, which is Valentine's Day. So without further ado, we will jump into it. Welcome, Megan Darmody. Megan, welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you today. Megan Darmody is a talented marketer who brings her boundless energy and creativity to her role as the director of brand marketing at Urban Stems. With a keen eye for detail and a passion for building meaningful connections with customers, Megan has been instrumental in elevating the Urban Stems brand and helping it stand out in a competitive marketplace. So Megan, before we jump in too far, can you explain what Urban Stems is to any listeners who may not be familiar with your brand? Yes, absolutely. First, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to spend a little time talking to you about what I do. But yes, Urban Stems is an online floral and gifting company. So we offer modern arrangements on trend plants through fast nationwide shipping. At the heart of it, our goal is really to help people stay connected. Awesome. And what makes you all a little bit different from some of the other floral delivery in particular brands that we may have in our brains? Absolutely. As you mentioned, it's a super competitive space and it's actually really interesting sort of traditional players versus newer players like us who came onto the market about nine, 10 years ago. We really focused on building a model that is maximum special, minimal effort. 
So that means we invested in two sides of the business. One in the actual design of the flowers, the arrangements themselves, how they look. We really pride ourselves. You'll hear the word modern probably 20 times for me over the course of this hour. But really what that means is that it looks of the moment. It looks new, seasonal, fresh, exciting, unique, something you really be proud of to send someone. And the other side of it is our supply chain. So we really focused on speed, speed of which it could get to you. So whether that means in our same day markets like New York and DC, where you can literally order the morning of and it'll arrive to someone the same day through our bike couriers, or just the speed of checkout, the curation of our product, how our site functions, as well as the fact that you can add things to your cart that help make the gift a little bit more personalized. Awesome. And it's hard to not acknowledge that we're recording the episode a week before Valentine's Day. It's also, funny enough, the week of the Super Bowl. And so I have to think that this is your Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, or or certainly one of the bigger moments of the year, I would imagine. How far in advance do you uh, start preparing for a big kind of marketing moment like Valentine's Day? Yeah. So Valentine's Day for us really begins at the farm level. On these two kind of tentpole flower delivery holidays, there's Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. For us specifically, Valentine's Day is second largest. Um, We'll do about five times as much delivery on Valentine's as we do in a normal week. Mother's Day is actually quite a bit more than that. But that just means like farm level, we're, we're talking to farms all throughout the summer about securing our arrangements and the types of flowers that we need them to grow and really trying to source exactly what we need to make sure that we have beautiful product on the site. For our marketing organization, things don't start too far after that. I head up a lot of not just our our brand marketing and sort of CRM channels, but also our partnerships. And so we do secure those typically in the fall leading into a major holiday like this. Interesting. So you're saying more people gift their mother flowers than their significant other. I can jump to that conclusion. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's definitely specific to us. We actually have about 75% of our customers are female and that only switches on Valentine's Day. So for us, Mother's Day is really, you know, our core customer is really coming out and buying. And then we also see people send to more than one person during Mother's Day. Oh, interesting. What other trends do you see coming in your industry? What could we expect this Valentine's Day? Is the consumer changing as sort of time of day and how people order changing? Like what sorts of trends are are you interested in right now? Yeah, you mentioned the Super Bowl. So where the Super Bowl plays out, because it does shift, obviously Valentine's Day doesn't really, it's always on the 14th, but where Super Bowl falls does tend to have some effect on sort of the macro sort of like brain space of people. So to your point, you know, I think a lot of people are very much focused on the Super Bowl. We're really expecting sales to be strong back half of this week as we lead into the Super Bowl. And then Monday, obviously, we know that like after the Super Bowl has left your mind and you've like recovered, you'll kind of have that oh no moment. And so luckily for us, we are able to accept those sort of last minute deliveries. We'll have a cap, obviously, of how much we can accept leading up to the holiday, but that'll be really interesting this year. I think additionally, what we have seen over pandemic is people are actually more willing to order in advance because maybe somebody isn't changing where they're going to be throughout the week as much as they used to. So for us, corporate addresses used to be like 
the BL end all. The guys wanted to have like the whole production of a delivery coming through your office. Now we're seeing people opt for a Friday delivery so they can have those flowers all weekend long as they maybe do something at home or maybe they go out. So it's been really fascinating to kind of see as people's work-life balance is a little bit different and where they are during the day change over the last couple of years that where they're sending to and when they're sending is changing. I think the other really interesting thing that we're seeing this year is some of our products that are like less traditional. So we have a Galentine bouquet that is almost already sold out. So we are seeing again, like I said, we have this really strong female customer base at Urban Stems. And so women are sending to other women. And then we also have some really fun kind of partnerships. We're doing something with Budweiser this year, obviously being well-primed in for the Super Bowl, you can get a Budweiser pitcher for your Super Bowl party and a dozen red roses for your lead at the same time. So <laughs> That's awesome. Outside of the, you know, you're in a, a business that definitely, like a lot of businesses, have these kind of big moments and peaks. How do you, in the off-season, if you will, or kind of in those in-betweens where there's not a, a large marketing event, what are some of the kind of ways that you engage your customer in those moments? what I was talking about before, kind of our core customer, there's somebody who is celebrating, yes, like big moments that they plan well in advance for, maybe like Mother's Day. But actually our number one sentiment is birthdays. Because of the fact that we've really invested in our core business, you know, when we first started, really focused on same day and next day delivery, we're really there for you through those like sorries, thank yous, I forgot, you know, moments, whatever it may be. And we really do see all year round, as long as like we're partnering with merchandising in the right way, um, whether it be by bringing certain products that speak to like Zodiacs or bringing in products. Actually, during the pandemic, we created a SKU called the postponement because we saw so many people moving their weddings or foregoing their weddings. So being creative and, and really having fun with like, what and how people are sending our product is really key, I think, for those non-big holiday moments. How do you distill data and trends in that way? Is that coming from what people are writing in cards? What is the speed from sort of data to insight so that you can make those sorts of product changes? Yeah, we do have a, what we call like our sentiment analysis. We pull that through. Actually, at checkout, you can select what's the reason that you're sending for, we can also pull that through maybe the occasions that you're shopping on our site. We have you know a specific place to shop for birthday, shop for thank you. We have specific products, like I mentioned. You know, if you're buying the Aquarius bouquet, we can kind of assume that you're hopefully but using it for a birthday. We do sometimes look at notes for sure, but it's definitely an art, not always a science. <laughs> We've learned that over time. But using everything that we kind of have at our disposal this past year. We did invest um, in a CDP, and that's been really helpful for our marketing organization to pull in data from all the different sources, whether it be our customer care service center, our email marketing, our paid and social marketing efforts, and really help us develop a cohesive customer profile. That's a, something we talk a lot about on this podcast and just in our day-to-day -day lives um, uh, between Billy and I. I'm curious at the CDP implementation and standing that up, are there any learnings from that process that you'd be willing to share? <laughs> Sounds like you are experienced um, just with the question. Yeah, it has been a longer run-up, obviously, than we expected. I think 
for us, it was really about having the right people and the right bandwidth in place and really making sure that stakeholders across all teams really understood what the goal was, not in six months, not in eight months, but a year from now, two years from now, what the goal is. I think it sometimes it maybe falls, or at least in our case, it kind of fell on marketing because at the end of the day, that was going to be, you know, maybe the user or the key users. But really, you know, we needed three, four different departments to really be bought in on what we were trying to do. So yeah, that would be my piece of advice. So Urban Stems is a little bit unique in that you have a rewards program and a subscription model. Can you talk to us a bit about how those mechanisms work to drive engagement? Are they effective? Is there anything that you do different than sort of table stakes in these spaces? Yeah, both are relatively sort of new channels for us or new products for us. I would say that subscriptions we've had for a little bit longer, although we have relaunched it and added a lot more to the way the customer can customize those subscriptions. So we do have a prepaid, which as we've said, you know, we are a gifting service. So those prepaid subscriptions are really popular around the holiday season and around Mother's Day for someone that wants to give a gift three months, six months, whatever it may be. We really do see those uptick during that time. But then we also have come out with the pay-as-you-go model, which we do see people opt into more for themselves. And that's been really exciting to see, you know, kind of that idea of of self-care and really investing and maybe just having fresh flowers for you. I think that for us, we've been really excited to see the growth in that business. And also, we really think it's our best value, quite frankly. You know, it's the best offer that we give. And so our subscription customers are really important to us. All of that is obviously sort of back. My team side is is on email marketing and how we talk to those customers. And what I always think is really great and exciting is that your subscription customers are also just really good everyday customers as well. So just because they are in a subscription model, which is probably unique to our business, just because you may be getting flowers for yourself, or maybe you bought a subscription for your mom for Mother's Day, that doesn't mean that you're not using us for Thanksgiving. That doesn't mean you're not using us for your friend's birthday. So really for us, it's just about having these like really loyal, really engaged customers. And that for us is obviously a great thing. We've also found that the more you can keep people engaged and customizing their subscription, the longer they'll stay with the subscription. So we continue to roll out ways for you to pause, ways for you to change the note, maybe change the address. Obviously, there are months when maybe the fresh flowers need to be skipped. And so making sure that that's all really easy for the customer to do themselves in a self-service way is really important. Have you been able to track in terms of customer acquisition you know, I'm thinking, let's say hypothetically, I send a, a set of flowers to my my wife. She's never heard of Urban Stems. She gets Urban Stems for the first time, says, wow, the, these are beautiful. Do you have a way that you're engaging with that person on the, the gift receiving end? And I'm starting to think, wow, okay, is, is that a high conversion rate to a subscriber of, I love having these flowers around. I'd like to have that more often. Is that story connected at all? Or how do you engage with those folks? Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because really, we're not getting authorized permission to start marketing to those people that are your recipients. You're sharing that information with us with the full intent of delivery. So I think while there would be obviously a whole host of reasons that we would want to continue to correspond with you, we do have just like a few key touchstones in place, whether it be in the box where we really have invested this year in redoing our entire packaging suite 
with one of the intentions being to have the unboxing experience, one, be super unique, very differentiated from our competitors, but two, to be that like, wow moment that really translates to getting you back on the site. We've also invested a lot in our blog and we'll be rolling out a brand new care page. So obviously once you get the flowers, that's like only half of it. You know, you also want to keep them alive. So really encouraging people to come to our site to find out how to care for their plant, their flowers, and to learn more is a great way to kind of start that conversation with the recipient. And then, as you said, we're actually rolling out a couple other features that will allow us to kind of have you take the reins and maybe send your recipient an email through us, whether it be a preview. One thing we actually saw a couple of years ago that for Mother's Day that we're excited to roll out soon is that people wanted, or maybe they forgot to send for Mother's Day and they missed that like cutoff, but they still wanted to send an email that said, I sent you flowers. They're just going to come on Monday. I'm sorry, mom, they're not coming right now, but like, I'm thinking of you on the day and to be able to send them a preview that like something wonderful is coming their way. That's something that we'll be rolling out as well. So that helps start that conversation, obviously with the recipient. Given the real-time nature of your business, it gives me heart palpitations to think that the Super Bowl is going to happen. Men primarily are going to wake up Monday morning and think, oh my gosh, Valentine's Day is Tuesday. Let me order flowers now. The real-time nature of demand for y'all has to be at times extremely stressful, especially when you're in a market where flowers sell out or selection changes. How do you enable that type of real-time communication? And then how do you even communicate such a message? I, I guarantee it's not fun to be letting customers down ever, but particularly at a high stakes moment where they're trying to send a gift on an important holiday. Talk to us a little bit about your messaging strategy, both in terms of how you achieve the speed that you need to be able to have that just-in-time delivery, but also how you communicate in a way that keeps customers engaged with your brand when you have to deliver bad news. It's interesting. My husband actually says that from he's like every Monday your clock resets. He hears our revenue huddles. You know, living in remote work life, obviously, he hears my revenue huddles every single morning, every single day. And it is the case that honestly, all year long, because of the perishable nature of our flowers, we are always not even on major holidays, really, really attuned to the full supply chain of our product. I always say to people when they join Urban Stems, like, yes, you're going to be on the marketing team, but you are going to come away with a better understanding of operations and supply chain here than probably at any other organization other than than maybe like a food service industry because it is so impactful, right? Because whatever happens at the farm or before that product gets here is going to impact that marketing email that you have slated to go out on Tuesday. So we're nimble. We always have contingency plans. There's a couple of us like myself who've been at this organization at a long time and we've kind of like seen everything from like fumigation to like freezes to like protests, you know, in some of our South American partners. Like there's all kinds of reasons why um, the supply chain has gotten interrupted. Obviously the pandemic was just a really long interruption for some of us. So I think to that point, like you have that muscle of like, being able to adapt and knowing kind of where the levers that you need to push or pull all year round. For major holidays, what I will say is that we also have just like the most amazing care team that is also very experienced in proactive communication. And we invest a lot in our care tools to make sure that we're getting real-time updates about the packages before 
obviously, as soon as possible so that people can make other arrangements if need be. I think we also have really good, empowered employees that can feel like they can make it right for people, whether that's like an upgrade or giving someone, you know, full credit. I happen to know some of our care associates have even called local florists if like, we're just not going to make the date for whatever reason. So certainly helps to have all the plans in place, but like even then there are going to be things that go awry And at the end of the day, we're in a customer service industry. So it it really is about the reconciliation. It's about how you treat people. And we win a lot of people back, I'd say, after things have gone wrong, because they will. (laughs) Is that also where like a diverse product offering comes in? I mean, hey, you were up late watching the Super Bowl. We're out of red roses. But how about a fiddle leaf fig for your wife? Like, is that like where house plants and other other options come into play? Yeah. And listen, like we're not the cheapest guy in the market by any means. I don't think people come to us because they just want to check the box and like get it done. So in that way, you know, I think people are really coming to us because they trust us and, you know, they look at the site and everything looks beautiful. And by and large, to your point, you know, we actually only sell one full red rose arrangement during Valentine's Day our customers tend to want something a little bit more interesting. They're kind of paying a little bit more of a premium for the design and the aesthetic and the gift bag and the vase and and the whole thing. Yeah, I was scrolling through your site. So maybe not a fiddly fig, but another house plant. You know, I think that's the unlock for men in the in gifting is maybe maybe a house plant might land better than some fresh flowers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And we have dried arrangements which actually um will last for years. There will be something on the site on Monday. But really to your point, I mean, I think too, it is, even though it is going to be a last minute holiday and there's like nothing we can do about that. The fact that it lands where it lands and, you know, the bulk of sales will come in at the end. But we do run specific marketing campaigns to our repeat customers, you know, to the people who are loyal to us to try and incentivize them to get their orders in early. So that's always my recommendation too. If you want a deal, like you have to buy early. If you wait until Monday, you're paying full price plus shipping. <laughs> Megan, we've already dabbled in it, but let's just go, you know, full stop. I'm not saying this is directed at men. This is certainly a gender neutral question, but what advice do you have for people who want to give a really personalized gift, but yet they're giving something like flowers? I mean, flowers are relatively generic in terms of a gift. How can you make that experience as personalized as possible? And what tips do you have for anyone who's going that route? Yeah, honestly, I think flowers are a great gift. You know, I think I work in the flower industry and I still get flowers. Think about the person that, you know, you're giving them to their favorite colors. If they've ever mentioned their favorite flowers, you'd be surprised how many women actually have a favorite flower. I think if, you know, the person is more traditional or think about what's in their house, you know, what's their furniture like? What colors do they have on their walls? Like, are they a really dynamic, outgoing, bold person? Then go with colors that are like jewel tone and bold. I think too, you can also, to your point, you know, there are people who maybe love plants and and would prefer a plant. If you know someone doesn't want to fuss with anything at all, like I said, we have our dried arrangements, which I think are really interesting and fun and last forever. And then the other piece that I think it really matters, take time on the note, think about the vase, think about if you're going to add something to it, the chocolate lover, et cetera. We really do take curate our add-ons so that you can kind of make that arrangement also just that much more special this time of year. And we do see that around Valentine's Day. That's the time when people are 
willing to add a couple more things to their bouquet to really make it special. That's awesome. You guys have done a good job in terms of the way that your experience is making it easy for somebody to filter and sort through all the different options. I've been on some of these sites and it's like almost overwhelming the amount of options and selection that you have. And so as I look at your site to you know sort through pet friendly or for a teacher, all the different occasions, it's really well done. How So we touched on the CDP. I'd love to zoom in real quick before we get too far on gifting recommendations, because uh, I could, I'm a houseplant guy, so I could talk about this for like, just saddle up, we'll talk about houseplants for the next 20 minutes. But I would love to zoom in on the, on the technology. So tell us a little bit more about your stack and the tools that you're leveraging. You mentioned you stood up a CDP. What other are kind of critical elements in how you are going to market to consumers today? The CDP was a big game changer because it really started to consolidate a lot of our tools. So with that, we are using our CDP now for our email communication, for our surveying. And that's just kind of helping us all, like I said before, connect a lot of dots. We do use Attentive, which we love as our SMS provider. We've been using them for about two years and they really play well with our CDP as well as just our, honestly, some of the best like you know, CS folks that, that I've had the pleasure of working with and really are partnering with us on that side of the business. I think probably not surprisingly, it's one of the fastest growing channels for us. Affiliate marketing is another place where we invest a ton of time. So we do have tools that layer into that. And I think those are, are probably the three bigger pieces that we do. We've tried to bring a couple things in-house. You know, we're running a lot of our paid social in-house now. I think a lot of startups, we still consider ourselves a startups, but a lot of startups kind of go through that period of time where you kind of take audit of all the tools and all the contracts and all the agencies, and you kind of start to downsize a little bit. And that was definitely us last year after the pandemic, kind of taking a little bit of a, a step back and really looking at what we're trying to build and where it's absolutely necessary, obviously, to use partners that do it better than, than we can, but also where can we really consolidate in order to have better data. Talk to us a little bit about how you run marketing logistics, because it sounds like the need to collaborate across different divisions and cross-functional teams, working with your sales teams, your product teams, even your suppliers... How do you manage that over the course of a window or a week or a sprint? Or what sorts of periods of time do you work in to do your planning? And how do you keep everyone in the loop? It's a great question for us. We kind of have, I would say, like a revenue department that combines both paid marketing, brand marketing, merchandising, and then forecasting and planning. That sounds huge. We're not that big of a company, um, but all those people literally huddle every single morning. <laughs> Like I mentioned, we, we do have a daily revenue call, the fast paced nature of our business. And sort of, as we said, we have weekly sales goals that we have to hit or the product dies. So our challenge is that we're constantly in the moment, but obviously also we have to plan nine, 10 months out for all of these big holidays that requires this like very robust schedule of daily meetings that have to be sh very quick and very concise and on topic. And then having those longer monthly, bi-weekly maybe meetings where we're trying to brainstorm and think a little bit more about what we're trying to achieve in the next quarter. I think, as we've said, one of the interesting things about our business is that 
it is so dependent on what's happening down at the supply chain level. So that is is always this ongoing piece of where the opportunity might lie. You know, we may be seeing something on the data side that's suggesting that our customers are loving or needing more, as I mentioned, like birthday options that are $80. And really, that's like a, a place where we need to invest more. But at the farm level, they may be growing something that is amazing and could be exclusive to us that's, you know, more for that high-end customer. And so really making sure that we're not so focused on sort of our own department and our own set of knowledge and what we see that we miss maybe things that aren't even in our purview. So I, I think for us, we are still a pretty small organization and that we do gather together often, but we really do create a robust sort of plan that is included of what the supply chain has, you know, what is happening at the farm level, and then also very much looking at the trends and the sales trends and the customer data. And all of those inputs plug into what we're forecasting six, seven months down the road. Our business is just a constant lesson in communication. I mean, there there really isn't a way that you can over-communicate, I think, in this industry. So when we get into major holidays like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or, or whatever it may be, that's like always my message to everyone and anyone is just see something, say something. <laughs> you know, no one's ever going to dock you for asking a question during this key time because you never know what you're you're unlocking for sure. Well, Megan, one of my favorite questions is obviously this podcast is about what makes people loyal to different brands. Is it the experience that they have? Is it the communication that they receive? It's how all the parts and pieces fit together. So I'm always curious what brands you are truly loyal to, what keeps you loyal to them? What do you love about your experience with those brands? Yeah, I was thinking about this. And for us, I think I always look at like the different facets of marketing and I kind of like appreciate certain ways that people market. So for me, I think we talked about subscriptions. I think Billy really has done an amazing job of making it. One of the best things about a subscription service is if you forget about it. And it's like so beautifully designed that and at a good price point and the value is great. And my ability to, to like we said, sort of self-serve on my phone in a moment's notice is so amazing that I think, like I said, sometimes I forget I even have it. And then you're like pleasantly surprised. So I, I think they've just done an amazing job. I think from an email side, because I do spend a lot of my day thinking about email, I think Third Love is one of the best like email marketers that I've seen in the last couple of years. I absolutely think they're spending a ton of time on personalized journeys and automation and, and it's really smart. I had an amazing product experience with Merit. I don't know if you know who Merit is, but they're a female-owned makeup company. And every first order gets this really cute makeup bag as a free add-on to the purchase. And it's obviously gone like totally viral. So all these influencers and everyone are showing you the bag. So by and large, you're going to Merit to just get the bag and you're buying something with it. But I think they've just done a great job coming to market. They're a relatively new business. And are really kind of making that. I think Glossier did did something similar with like the unboxing. It really does pay to get it right your unboxing experience when you launch. Like I said, we've invested a lot the last year rethinking our whole bo- unboxing experience with the assumption that it really will pay off, especially in this world of like you have to film your unboxing experience and and you want it. Obviously, it's not 
especially with flowers, it's not something where the logo can be on the flowers. So we really want to make that recognizable before you even like get close enough to read the logo. You just want to know, oh, I know whose box that is. I know what package that is. Yeah, that's awesome. Back to Urban Stems, you used a phrase a couple times or maybe even more than a couple uh, that I don't think you get when you think of some of the I won't name any names, but the large, you know, uh, flower uh, providers that have been around forever. And that's when we work with our farms. You've used that phrase a couple of times. And I think that gets into kind of the uniqueness of your brand. And when you're sending a gift from somebody like Urban Stems, it's like it feels handpicked and the packaging is unique. It's not kind of cold and and sterile like maybe some of the the other brands that I've sent flowers from. So well done there. A lot of our folks that listen to our podcast are either in the growth marketing, MarTech space, are uh, trying to learn more about the space or just starting their career. And, and uh, we always love to ask seasoned pros like yourself, a best or worst even career advice that you've received as you've built your career. I don't know if it, and, and I thought about this, like I don't know if it was ever implicitly said, but I think that there was... I started my career out actually in in PR. So for about a decade, I was doing public relations, both at agency level and then also in-house. And I think that there was an implication that to stay in that industry, I would have to change who I was because my style of communication or maybe the way that I presented or the things that I was interested in, in pursuing, some of them were at the time, social media and email marketing, quite frankly, that I would have to change who I was or or forget those things and focus more on sort of the traditional way that PR was measured at the time in order to be successful. Ultimately, obviously, I just decided to join a startup that (laughs) sort of let me take on a whole bunch of different things and really expand my talents to those things that I was interested in. So I'm 100% a self-taught marketer. I got in at an early stage startup and just started raising my hand to do more things. And I'm very thankful that they've had (laughs) the faith in me to just kind of let me keep doing it. And yeah, I think you don't have to be defined by a specific role or a way that that role is supposed to function. You can really create your own story. And my husband and I talk about this all the time that I think people of our generation, I don't think it's probably as much of an issue anymore, but people of our generation, we were really concerned about what like our career trajectory looked like. Like, what's the story I'm going to tell about who I am and what I'm, am I on this path? And yeah, I think I would have missed this wild ride if I was really focused on just sort of a traditional path for sure. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being with us today. I super enjoyed the conversation. I'm excited to go check out Urban Stems right now and see which Galentines should be receiving flowers now that you have mentioned it. (laughs) But it has been great to have you here. We'll have to bring you back again. And I hope that you have a great close of season here for this big upcoming temple event. We are wishing you the best of luck. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Great conversation. Great. Thanks, Megan. 